the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He sees everything. He knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. We can't hide anything from him. And so Jesus says to the believers there in Thyatira that he sees all. He knows all. And his feet are like fine brass, that polished brass. Brass is the metal of judgment in the scriptures. For example, in the Old Testament, at the tabernacle, the altar of sacrifice was made of brass. Have you ever felt like God isn't paying attention or doesn't know about you? Sometimes it can feel like that because we get so overwhelmed with what the world is throwing at us. But there is a truth that God has never taken his sight off of us. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be sharing about God's vision. He sees everything. There is nothing that we can hide from God. This can be comforting and confronting. This means that He sees our sin and gives us a chance to repent, but He also sees our trouble and comforts us. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Revelation chapter 2, we left off in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, 
They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Well, we have been um, looking at the letters of Jesus to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. These letters are to specific churches that were in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, uh, but they are instructive for every church. We've already looked at three of the letters, and today we look at the fourth letter to the church in Thyatira. And the church in Thyatira was a tolerant church. And I mean that in a bad sense, not a good sense, uh, as you'll see as we go through the passage today. And just to give you some background on the city of Thyatira, uh, it was the smallest city of the seven churches that are addressed in Revelation. It was the smallest city, but they received the longest letter from Jesus. Jesus had more to say to them about their church than any of the other churches. The population of Thyatira at that time was about 25,000 people. So it was about a tenth of the size of the city of Ephesus. One ancient writer living at that time referred to Thyatira as an insignificant city. And it was insignificant to the world, but it was significant to Jesus. He had a lot to say to them. Thyatira was a a blue-collar town. We looked at the city of Pergamos last week, and you may remember that I mentioned that Pergamos had a university in that city. They had one of the largest libraries in the ancient world in that city. They had a world-renowned hospital, if you want to call it a hospital, uh, at that time in the city of Pergamos. And so um, Pergamos was an, you know, an intellectual city. It was an academic city. It was a world-renowned city. Uh, Thyatira is the opposite of Pergamos. There's no university there, no library there. It was a working class town. It was, you know, think of it uh, as like a factory town like we used to have in the United States. There were were hardworking people that lived in the city of Thyatira. Thyatira was known for its textile industries in that city. They had more textile industries in Thyatira than any other city in that region. They produced things like leather goods, wool goods, iron goods, copper goods, fabrics, pottery, masonry, uh, masonry stones. It was a working town, just manufacturing goods that were sent out throughout the region. Uh, The two products that they were best known for were their purple dyed fabrics which they made, they made this dye that they extracted from the root of a plant that grew there in Thyatira, in that area. And the color that it produced in fabric uh, was more of a red color than a purple color. They still produce that, that dye in modern-day Turkey today from the root of that same plant. Uh, today, the color is known as Turkish red. Uh, and you can still buy fabric. You can buy carpets in Turkey that have kind of this this deep red crimson kind of color to it. Uh, and that, that comes from the same root that they were using back in the times uh, that John writes this. Uh, so they were known for their, their purple fabric. How many of you have read Homer's Iliad? Maybe in high school or maybe you are had an undecided major in college and you were just 
taken classes like mythology, trying to find yourself or something. Homer's Iliad. Some of you have read it. Uh, In that book, it refers to the purple fabric from the city of Thyatira. That's how renowned it was for that fabric. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, Lydia is described as a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. And so she sold that dye that was extracted from the root of the plants there in the area of Thyatira. The the second product that Thyatira was known for was their fine brass. They specialized in producing goods made of a highly polished brass. They also manufactured mirrors out of this brass there in Thyatira. They didn't have glass mirrors in that day like we do today. They had this brass that was produced there in Thyatira, and, and that was you know, the closest you could get to a mirror in, in that day. And I, I point that out uh, just to, to say uh, that in this letter to Thyatira, Jesus used the things that the people of Thyatira were very familiar with. Uh, if you look uh, at verse 18, he describes his feet as fine brass. Uh, that, that was produced there in Thyatira. Down in verse 27, he mentions uh, iron and pottery. Both of those were produced in Thyatira, manufactured there. And so it seems that, that Jesus, and we saw this last week with Pergamos, uh, it seems that Jesus purposely pulls these right out of the, the daily economy of Thyatira as he's writing to those people, because these are things that they're going to, They're going to connect with as he writes this. In Thyatira, they had trade guilds. Uh, And these trade guilds were associations of craftsmen who all worked in the same trade. Uh, They were kind of like trade unions uh, that we have in our country. And these trade guilds were very uh, powerful. They had a lot of clout in Thyatira. You might be thinking at this point, Who cares? What does this have to do with the passage? Just hang on. We'll get there. But they had these trade guilds there in Thyatira. And to work in a trade in that city, you had to belong to the guild for that trade. So if you were a coppersmith, you had to belong to the copper guild. If you were a potter, you had to belong to the potter's guild. You had to belong to the guild for your trade. And if you didn't belong to the guild, you were forbidden to work in that trade, in that city. And you you hear that and you think, okay, that's no big deal. Just join the trade guild and, and go to work. Well, it was a big deal to the Christians. And the reason it was a big deal for the Christians is because these trade guilds were, each of them were connected to a particular pagan god. Kind of like a patron saint, of that trade. And they believed that by worshiping that idol or that God, that that God would then bless your trade and bless your profession and your business and prosper you. And so what these trade guilds did is they had these big feasts and these big celebrations where all the members of that guild were expected to participate. And they would have this celebration at the temple to their God And they would sacrifice an animal to their idol. And then everyone would eat the meat that was sacrificed to that idol. They would drink a lot of alcohol and get drunk at these feasts. 
and then they would engage in sexual immorality. As, a, as an act of worship, it wasn't just that they were being sexually immoral. Uh, they believed sexual immorality pleased their God. And so it was an act of worship to, uh, to engage in sexual immorality with temple prostitutes and, and that kind of thing. And they thought by doing these things, these gods would bless and prosper their business. And so this put the believers in Thyatira in a very tough Dilemma, as you can imagine, because if they participated in these guild celebrations, they compromised their witness for Jesus Christ. They were no different from the non-Christians then living in that city. And their co-workers could say, hey, he says he's a Christian, but I, I saw him at the feast and he was getting drunk like everybody else. And it would just blow their testimony. It would blow their witness for Christ. But if they refused to participate in the guild, they couldn't work. They'd lose their job. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. They couldn't work in their trade. You got to work, right? You got to provide for your family. So what do you do? What do you do in that situation? What would you do? I know that some of you have felt pressure at your job to participate in activities uh, at, at your workplace that compromise your Christian faith. And I know for some of you that there is uh, an expectation at your workplace, whether it is an unwritten expectation or maybe it's a written expectation, it's a policy that you are going to participate in certain things and engage in certain activities in your workplace that are uncomfortable for you as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you maybe have a culture in your workplace where you're expected to participate in certain things and, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate that. How do I you know, how, how do I not deny the Lord in this, not deny what I believe to be true about uh, the Lord and about scriptures? And yet I don't want to lose my job and I, I don't want to uh, get a bad reputation for not being a team player at, at work. And you, you kind of face a similar situation in your workplace. Those uh, believers in Thyatira, that was what they were up against. If they didn't participate in these guilds, they couldn't work in their trade. And so that's some background for you, some context. And now we're going to go into it. Look at verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? The angel is probably the pastor of the church. This is written to the pastor to be read to the congregation. Now Jesus describes himself as he does in each of these letters. Verse 18. These things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine 
brass. Jesus describes himself, first of all, as the Son of God. And that title emphasizes his deity. The title Son of Man emphasizes his humanity, that he took on human flesh, that he became a man and dwelt among us. The title Son of God emphasizes his deity. It's emphasizing that Jesus is God. And so that's what he says to them. He begins this letter to them by reminding them that he is God. And he says that he has eyes like a flame of fire. The fire in the scriptures, it speaks of judgment. It speaks of refining. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His eyes can penetrate beyond the facade. It can, his eyes can penetrate beyond the phoniness uh, that we present to other people, and his eyes can get right to the heart. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, there it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He sees everything. He knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. We can't hide anything from him. And so Jesus says to the believers there in Thyatira that he sees all, he knows all, and his feet are like fine brass, that polished brass. And brass is the metal of judgment in the scriptures. For example, in the Old Testament at the tabernacle, the altar of sacrifice was made of brass, where you would place the sacrifice for sin upon the altar. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, remember Moses made the serpent of brass and he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. The serpent was brass. It's, it's, it, brass is the metal of judgment. It's symbolic of God's judgment in the Bible. And so Jesus here in describing his feet as brass, he's saying to them that he's coming to judge. So remember, this is a letter. <laughs> This is a letter from Jesus to that church. If you ever receive a letter from Jesus, huh, well, if you do, I'd like, I'd like to see it. You could bring it to church with you. That'd be great. But if you ever receive a letter from Jesus, you do not want Jesus to begin that letter by saying, I am God, I see what you're doing, and I'm coming to judge. If you do receive a letter from Jesus and it begins that way, you might want to sit down before you read the rest of that letter. And that's what he says here to Thyatira. I'm God. I see everything that's happening. And I'm coming to judge you. Judge your works. That's how he begins with Thyatira. You know, the believers there in Thyatira... They did not take the deity of Jesus Christ and the judgment of Jesus Christ as seriously as they should have. And that's why he says this to them. Because they weren't serious about who he is and his judgment. It's great to, to see Jesus as you know, your savior and your shepherd uh, those, are, those are true, those are wonderful things. But don't forget, he's also God and he's also judge. Don't lose sight of that. And they've lost sight of that. And he's got to remind them, I'm God, I see what you're doing, and I'm coming to judge. 
In verse 19, Jesus commends the church for what they're getting right. Verse 19, he says, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. He, he commends this church, first of all, for their love. They, they love God and they love each other. Remember, Jesus said people will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. They've got love in this church. It's a loving church. They love one another and they serve one another. This word service here in verse 19, it means to minister to the needs of others. They're ministering to each other's needs. They're, they're taking care of each other in that church, serving one another. And they have faith, faith in Jesus Christ. They're trusting the Lord. No doubt many of them were out of work because they refused to participate in these guilds. And so, you know, they're, they're trusting the Lord to provide for them. They're trusting the Lord to provide for their families or to provide side jobs that they can do outside of their trade so that they can, you know, make ends meet. They're, they're, they're walking by faith. He commends them for their faith and their patience. They're patient. The word patient there, it means to be steadfast or to be constant or to endure. These believers in Thyatira, they are enduring hardship for the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, and as for your works, the, the last are more than the first. Not only did they have these works, but they were increasing in, the, in these works. They were growing in love. They were growing in their service to one another. They were growing in faith and growing in patience. And Jesus commends them for these qualities. And this is a wonderful description of a church. A church that Jesus recognizes as a loving church and a church that serves one another and a faithful church and a steadfast church. I mean, in many ways, that's, that's a model church. That's what you want to look for in a church. But the letter doesn't end in verse 19. <laughs> it would be great if, if Jesus said, you know, sincerely Jesus right after that. But he doesn't, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately. Verse 20 now, he reproves the church. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not Repent. Jesus says, nevertheless, despite all the good that Jesus saw in that church, he had a few things against them. In particular, they allowed, do you see that word there? They allowed, verse 20, your translation might say, they tolerated that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and seduces my servants, believers, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. They, they had a woman in that church who called herself a prophetess, but she wasn't really a prophetess. She was a false prophet with a false message, a false teaching, false doctrine. And here's what her false doctrine was. This is what she was teaching, that she was seducing believers with. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Many questions might arise as you listen to these messages about the end times. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-changing news that they might not hear anywhere else. This is a tremendous opportunity to reach people who are lost and without a Savior. We value your prayers for these important messages that are going out. Pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would greatly multiply because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on this peculiar book of the Bible, Revelation is one of the many that are curious about but find it hard to understand. We trust that God's giving you some clarity by listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.